Hello and welcome to the FPV Freedom Coalition's community meeting. I must apologize right off the bat that I was unable to record the first five or six minutes of tonight's meeting. The part that you missed was Josh going over the case about James Benson, who was recently convicted of aerial trespass, I believe, in Louisiana. So we'll jump right in here to Josh continuing to talk about that story. So a couple of, of notes in this case that is pretty ri ridiculous on its on its face is that they didn't allow the flight logs from the Inspire. Um, if you're familiar with DJI, it records everything. It records your flight. It records your telemetry. All this stuff would, would be able to uh, determine that he um, was... Uh, you know, not surveilling, um, but they, the judge threw that stuff out. Um, he wasn't able to have his um, expert witness, who was Ryan LaTourette, um, who is in the video with Joshua Bardwell there. Um, from the research that I could see is that they threw that out um, because they didn't want to allow him to Skype in. Um, and the, the, the court case kind of happened at the beginning of COVID, the COVID outbreak. And even beyond that, you know, a plane ticket and, and all that stuff um, was expensive for uh, Mr. Benson. So uh, it makes it kind of difficult to, you know, have your case heard when you're throwing out all the evidence that would exonerate you. So um, I'm going to post a link to this. This is Ryan LaTourette's article on this. This was uh, dated back in on March 31st. Um, and then you can watch the video up above. Um, it's a, it's a pretty bad deal. Um, beyond this, you know, there's a couple issues at play here. There's, um, the FAA has, um, jurisdiction over the airspace and whether you agree or disagree, um, whether you feel that states, counties, individual property owners, um, should own their airspace or not currently, um, FAA controls all that airspace. So telling somebody that they can't fly somewhere doesn't really work. Now there comes into play here, some privacy laws and, you know, at the, you know, and I get that people don't want, you know, there's this big hubbub out there about, you know, people use drones for spying and, and those of us in the FPV world, uh, whether you're in the FPV world or not, um, Y'all know, and I know that our drones are meant to go fast. They're meant for acrobatics. They're meant to, to. Um, they're not meant for spying. They're loud. They're obnoxious. Most drones are loud and obnoxious. Anybody who would try to use them for spying is stupid to begin with. But you know the the idea is out there amongst the general public is that's what people do with drones. They just spy on people and. You know, that doesn't really work. There's a lot of fear mongering going on with that. Um, but I wanted to highlight this. There may be some issues um, going forward with the privacy laws in regards to, to Louisiana and, and how that works out. But at the same time, you know, there's a lot going on here that, you know, can easily be thrown out. And so on that note, um, I do want to post there is a um gofundme account um and i'll drop that um he is appealing his decision um and is he's saying he's going to take it all the way up to the supreme court if necessary um you know there's uh, 
what what can happen here is if this stands, there's a lot of other states that are going to impose similar similar laws like this, um, where our ability to fly is going to be severely restricted. Now, you know, again, if you're pro um, privacy, um, then that may be the right thing that maybe something for you. If you're pro being able to, for states being able to decide where you can and can't fly, that may be something that you want. Um, personally, I like to be, I like to only have to answer to one agency as opposed to a slew of, of different agencies when deciding I need to, I need or want to fly. Um, and, you know, being able to do that freely is the best thing for the hobby in my personal opinion. Um, the fact that we, you know, not only, you know, find him and possible jail time and, you know, all this, all this stuff that happened to this gentleman, but we banned him from owning a drone because he just wanted to fly. That's absolutely ridiculous. Um, so I know I'm kind of going on a harangue here about this. Um, Let me also add a couple of, of items that are uh, relevant, and one of them uh, Ryan Latteret, um brought up. May I say a couple words, Josh? Yeah, go ahead, please. The um, uh, One of the things that Ryan brought up in the video of um, Joshua Bardwell was the Uniform Tort uh, Law. And so there is an organization of attorneys who work pro bono across the United States, and they create laws that are consistent. And they, these uh, laws are picked up by local municipalities, either uh, county or state legislatures, and it's very useful. Um, for three years, uh, they were working on a, a drone uh, trespassing law, and uh, it was very complicated. Uh, and they were, uh, they finally got frustrated in the uh, middle of uh, 2019 and set aside the entire act, the entire effort. So that's one of the references that, that Ryan made. So hopefully that will not be an issue. And that is certainly something that if that gets picked back up, that could be a path that this type of legislation could uh, be uh, put in place across a lot of states quickly. The other is um, there's a bill in the Senate by uh, Senator Mike Lee of um, I want to say Utah, uh, if I'm uh, if I'm correct. Yes, and, Utah. Uh, thank you. And the uh, it's Senate 2607, and uh, this bill is on um, a local trespass. And so, were this bill to pass both the Senate and the House and be uh, uh, signed by the president, it would make um, situations like James Benson got arrested and was convicted. Uh, possible. Uh, in essence, you would have to ask permission uh, to fly over any private property or a business's property. Uh, so we have been uh, in opposition to uh, Senate 2607. Uh, and as we uh, move forward with the, the variety of uh, uh, memos to uh, congressmen and women, as well as senators, uh, this may be one that uh, we will add to the list. Right now, that piece of legislation has a 3% uh, ch per uh, chance of uh, passing as um, uh, identified by government.track, uh, but it's, uh, it may um, 
it may gain momentum uh, if uh, something like the uh, the James Benson conviction uh, is seen as precedent setting. Uh, and so there are, you know, so there are a number of reasons why this is important, not only uh, because uh, uh, this gentleman's rights were trampled, uh, but also the precedent that we see in other states, as well as the possibility of federal law. Yeah, so, you know, um, oh, sorry. Uh, so a couple of things here is that this Louisiana isn't the only state with a law like that. Um, I'm going to drop this. This is from Drone Life. Uh, so this one talks about uh, Texas's drone laws. Um, so under current Texas state law, it's an illegal to use a drone to capture an image of pri private property without the owner's consent, unless you're a law enforcement office, a professor doing research, a surveyor, employee of oil or gas or power company, or someone covered by one of more of the more than a dozen exemptions. So this includes not being able to use a drone, uh, to take photos as a journalist or as a property owner using drone photography, um, you know, so it, 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 this is becoming really pervasive. And Doesn't Florida have something just like that too? I'm not sure about Florida. I'll have to research it. Um, but, uh, they may have, um, but I mean, one of the issues that they bring up in this article is a very keen point is that, you know, I could, as, as somebody, if let's say I lived in Texas and I was standing on the top floor of a multi-story building, I could take my camera out or my cell phone and I could take a picture of private property and be completely within the law. But if I put my drone in the air or if I even held my drone and took a picture of that same property, now I'm violating the law. It makes absolutely no sense. So the problem here is that the um, law, the, the Texan law, does it prohibits the use of drones for surveillance, but in proper legislative fashion, doesn't provide a definition of what surveillance actually means. So now you've got this vague law that can be interpreted in a hundred different ways, and you can now use that law to say, oh, well, he was surveilling my property. Well, no, not really. I was flying a drone. You know, I don't care what your property looks like. I don't care. You know, sorry, my camera accidentally panned over your property. But at the same time, in Texas, you could be arrested for that. You could be fined for that. You could possibly say you can never own a drone again. You know, that's the kind of stuff. Now, this is being fought by a group of journalists, um, but it's just, it's pretty interesting how, you know, just an act of pointing a camera because it's attached to a drone has now become this, this crazy, um, holy crap moment by everybody and everybody's, you know, losing their mind and fear mongering and all the other crap that's going on. So... Yeah, so sorry, I, oh, here we go. Florida's version. Gotta load for me. Looks like that one's been there since 2015. Surveillance by drone. So prohibiting a person, a state agency, or political subdivision from using a drone to capture an image of privately owned real property 
or of the owner, tenant, occupant, invitee, invitee, or licensee of such property with the intent to conduct surveillance without his or her written consent if a reasonable expectation of privacy exists, authorizing the use of drone by a person or entity engaged in a business profession license. So seems so, like there's probably a bunch more text along with that. I'll have to give that a read. Maybe we'll talk about it next next week. I have a quick question. So Absolutely. If, sorry. Um, so if, if you're, say you're flying your drone in, in one of these states that have these laws about the mm -hmm. surveillance and you're not, how, how are they going to say whether you're recording or not? You know, like, so if I'm just flying around and the camera's off, I'm not recording though. Correct. Can, can you still get prosecuted for that? So here's the deal is that, you know, if you're flying FPV, uh, my thought would be that they're saying you're using FPV to enhance the control of the aircraft, uh, which means that you are you could potentially be conducting surveillance. Now, if you're flying line of sight or you don't have a camera equipped to your drone, then you're fine. You know, but if you've got those goggles down, you know, I, I think that alone right there is, you know, assuming the, the police officer testifies that you were flying via FPV, then yeah, that could cause you some problems. Right. Now, they say it's intent, even if you weren't meaning for it. Exactly. So, you know, even on the flip side, um, you know, I guess to stay safe, you fly around either people who you have direct permission to fly um, around their properties or you fly in public places, you know, so yeah. it's, it's just, it's pretty interesting. But don't so, accidentally catch somebody's private property. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, so. and, and that guy was fun. The, the, uh, the one you were just talking about, I watched Barwell's video and he was flying over like 30, 300 feet almost yeah. the whole time. Yeah. And the, the, the camera on his drone, uh, I think he had, I'm, I'm not super up on DJI tech, but I think it was an X3 camera and it's positioned directly forward, just like an FPV camera would be. It doesn't wow. tilt or pan or anything like that. So anything that he caught on video was completely accidental or, or even just it was caught in relation to him flying the drone. Right. You know, so it's, it's just, it's getting funky out there. I mean, it's getting out of hand a little bit kind of muddy in the water slightly here yeah. um here in pennsylvania we do have that surveillance law i bother to look it up but I, i've never heard of anybody ever getting in trouble for that what i have heard and personally have had to deal with is you mentioned public land uh our parks our pennsylvania parks and in the game areas state game lands even when there's no hunting involved uh they are heavily patrolled for drones so the idea is that uh, they're trying to, quote, like balance popular recreational uses with drone usage. And one of the big arguments that I personally ran into myself is I had a game warden stop me and like try to ask if I had any firearms or archery equipment on me because he was like, oh, well, you're flying a drone in this field where nobody gives a shit. But he does because he's, he's, he tried to argue, oh, I was looking for bear or something. I said, sir, if I see a bear on this drone, I'm bringing it back and I'm getting the hell out of here. <laughs> well, the problem is, is that, you know, like like a lot of tools that hunters can use, a drone is one of them. Now, a, a lot of states do have laws calling that, you know, unfair advantage or, 
you know, stuff like that. But, you know, it's similar to a game camera that you can set up out in the field to kind of plan your hunt. And so people have used drones to scout areas and, and whatnot. Um, and, you know, I, I would assume that a lot of uh, states have laws against that. Um, you know, again, that that might be something I need to dig into, but it makes sense. You know that I mean, to a certain regard. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. So, you know, if he's coming up and saying, you know, I just want to make sure that you're not, you know, scouting for game so that you can go and 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 uh, take your game uh, with the use of a drone, it creates an unfair advantage. Um, so there are people that or there are states that I, I would assume that have laws like that. Yeah, and he was cool about it, but yeah. the one thing that's frustrating is the DCNR that handles massive areas of Pennsylvania basically restricted drone use to only six parks in the entire state. You, Under their rules, you cannot fly in those other places unless that's ever challenged, and even then you would have to call it in, which it, it's kind of surprising. It's like it should have been a chick one or the other. It should have just been, look, you can fly anywhere on DCNR land. But you got to make a phone call first and just say, hey, I'm flying over here. And no, I'm not hunting for a game or something else, especially in off seasons of game. Right. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to balance. But I just wanted to mention that for people when you're saying go public, go public, check your rules on that if you're thinking of going to parks. Because, yes. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, I for one, and, and I'll be to Arizona, and Arizona is very. Um, unrestrictive when it comes to this stuff um in fact arizona and i know there's a couple other states and i've mentioned this before on other uh uh, meetings but arizona has a law that says a state law that basically says no city or county can make laws you know you know regulating the use of drones um so they and arizona pretty much states preemption from the faa as their guiding principle uh for drones with the exception of a couple of things like you don't fly over state penitentiaries and and power facilities and and yada 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 but um even more so from that they they have deemed that every city designate a public park where model airplanes and drones can be flown so pretty cool about arizona um and i know a couple other states have uh rules like that as well yeah, I live in New York, and I'm pretty sure it's like that as well. Yeah. So um, any other comments or questions on this issue? Now, a couple of things that, uh, you know, I posted the GoFundMe, um, and uh, you'll hear Ryan talk in the video about how his appellate uh, application costs 12000 The GoFundMe uh, has reached and surpassed the 12000 um, but if he has to pursue it further, then all that, you know, he'll need that extra money to keep pursuing that. So even if you can just give five, 10, $15, um, you know, if you can, if you can spare it, you know, send it his way so that we can push this, uh, we can help him fight this. Uh, it, it's just, it's ridiculous. Um, so, uh, my personal take now on a second note, one of the ideas we were kind of tossing around is uh, creating a, a T-shirt or something like that, that we could donate the proceeds to uh, James as well. Um, 
I was kind of curious on anybody's uh, feedback from that. If you feel like that's a good idea, if you've got a good idea for a slogan for it, uh, send it our way. Uh, we can talk about it right now, or maybe we can touch, you know, mull it around in your head a little bit. We can kind of circle back to it towards the end of the meeting. All right. Um, so next up on the list here of uh, interesting news articles, this one's kind of cool. Um, this comes from Newsweek. Um, so a, a couple of researchers out of Singapore have created a new type of drone that it's a flapping wing aircraft known as an ornithopter uh, that can hover, glide, and dive. Um, it can um, swoop into uh, cluster, or they're calling cluttered environments filled with humans. It can quickly come to a stop. It can coast uh, to, or basically glide to save energy. Um, whereas a drone would have to, a, a, a quadcopter would have to constantly expend energy to maintain a hover. Um, it can do acrobatics. Uh, pretty interesting uh, little um, uh, aircraft here. There's a little picture of it down at the bottom. It flaps its wings. It looks like it's got four wings and a tail and a rudder on it. Um, I can't see what the propulsion is on it. Uh, I'm sure it's got. Bruce is saying that uh, ornithopters are old, are as old as he and me. Um, <laughs> I know. I've, I've heard the true. term before. Yeah, that's true, and it's uh, some of the newer ones are made of some really great materials. Lots of. Um, carbon fiber rods and uh, brushless motors and uh, small batteries allowing uh, uh, the uh, the wings to flap efficiently. Absolutely. Well, more, more efficiently than in the past. I'm yeah. Not, I'm not disputing that they are inefficient. Yeah. I I mean, a couple of, they, they're talking about using them for pollination research or, um, Let's see, uh, mil obviously military use, uh, reduced noise. Um, they're obviously less noisy than a, a quadcopter would be. Um, but uh, pretty interesting uh, little aircraft he's got there. Um, next up is uh, just in a couple of days, eight days, um, NASA is launching. Oh, I double posted that. Hold on one sec. All right, let's try that. Um, NASA counts down to the launch of the new Mars rover and the drone. So um, the new, I think it's called Perseverance, um, is going to be launching on the 30th, uh, barring any bad weather. Um, but uh, included in this package is a helicopter, a little drone helicopter that they're going to use to fly around uh, mars and get some aerial shots uh so this is going to be pretty cool that the technology that we're involved with on a day-to-day -day is now going to be on another planet uh able to hopefully fly around barring any uh unforeseen issues uh, so this will be pretty cool i'll be uh i'll be watching uh when that actually lands and and hopefully uh, we get some videos of it flying around on mars that would be super cool all right, Dave, you'll like this one. Um, this is from Engadget. Um, AI drone swarms help 
uh, AI helps drone swarms navigate through crowded, unfamiliar spaces. So this is basically using uh, um, machine learning, and they are segmenting the uh, AI uh, amongst the swarm so that each individual drone not only guides itself, but helps uh, do the calculations for all the other drones in the swarm to get the swarm into tight places. Um, and this could be um, awesome for search and rescue where you can swarm uh, an area with search and rescue drones drones, and uh, use those to get into tight places in cases like uh, a uh, flood or an earthquake um, where you're having to go in tight windows or in gaps in rubble. Uh, looking for people uh, to get first responders to them as quickly as possible. So uh, I thought this cool. was really cool. Very cool. And Caltech, way to go, Caltech. Yeah. All right. And uh, last on the list, and uh, I'm sorry, EB Misfit, did you guys see the Dragon Drone? It changed shape as it flies. I have not seen that. Do you have a article with that? Or a picture? That would be cool to see. Cool. I would like to see that. All right. Um, this one's really cool. This uh, comes out, obviously, from the um, COVID. This is, I think, let me make sure what happened here. Oh, yeah. All right. Public or Pittsburgh area company develops an electrostatic drone that uh, can disinfect stadiums in three hours. So it's using, uh, it can uh, fly over the seats, the stadium and uh, disinfect uh, all those seats, uh, which is pretty cool. I, I imagine we'll see a lot of uh, stuff like this so that we can move on with uh, the uh, reopening, getting sporting events, concerts, all that fun stuff back uh, into our daily life. Uh, but uh, yeah, this is a, uh, pretty neat uh invention coming out of the uh COVID-19 pretty sure in all the examples that they're showing it outside and the sun probably disinfects it within three hours also but (laughs) there are other uses there well if you've got an indoor stadium I mean as long as the the drone could uh fly indoors that that would be which I can imagine it would would be no issue and you would need FAA to get all over you if you're inside (laughs) True story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, so, watch out for wind because if spraying and spray right up or all that kind of stuff, you have to watch out for that too. Oh, I'm gonna have to watch that just from the uh, thumbnail. That looks really cool. It's got little love. Um... I know this is completely left field, but oh, I was literally just watching Chernobyl again. Uh-huh. The, the show and they were showing the hind helicopters dropping boron carbide sand over and over again and i bet they wish they had shit like this where they could just, <laughs> just say it. yeah yep. yeah absolutely all right um that is all i have uh for the news today um you know i know again i kind of went on a harangue about uh Mr. Benson's uh, court case. Um, it's really important to me that, uh, you know, anytime something like that comes up that we, you know, kind of gather together as a community and, and help folks like that out um, so that uh, we can kind of 
stop the spread of stupid laws in regards to our hobby. I mean, I truly believe that this is one of the the world's best hobbies. Um, I believe it's great for education. I believe it's great for STEM. Um, it's great for, you know, a lot of emerging, emerging technologies. And I'm not talking about drone delivery. I'm talking about, um, you know, search and rescue. I'm talking about innovation. I mean, we're putting a, a drone on Mars for exploration. Um, these are the kind of technologies that, you know, starting with the Wright brothers and, and going on for, for many, many decades, um, that, that flight has kind of inspired. So, um, yeah, I saw that one too. I don't want to bring that one up. Of course, Dan did. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, it was X-Jet's suggestion. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it was. Other news uh, that we're working on. Uh, this is this is Dave. Um, uh, weekend. One of uh, the young gentlemen on this call, uh, Alex, is um, working with us on uh, the DAC tasking group on recreational safety culture. And so uh, good for Alex to uh, persevere and uh, track down the uh, uh, the people running that tasking group and ask to be invited on. So he's. Uh, uh, volunteering uh, more of his time uh, to help out the community. Uh, I'm also encouraged uh, by uh, the two of the subgroups, the recreational and the small commercial business uh, subgroups under this safety culture uh, with the that has the remit to uh, evaluate general aviation safety culture and identify what from full scale or general aviation could be utilized and brought over to UAS. And uh, I'm, uh, I like the way uh, the recreational group is shaping up as well as uh, the group I'm leading, which is the small uh, commercial. So th this, as I've said, will be presented in the uh, October DAC. Uh, I want to say I, I, I'll, I'm going to mess up the date. So it's late October, third, third week, I think. Um, but uh, as that uh, firms up, uh, we'll be sure to uh, uh, to let everyone know a date. So this will not be uh, an earth-shaking uh, 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 event, but it it has uh, significant importance in the sense that there's a a lot of dialogue uh, with uh, manned aviation airlines, uh, uh, aeronautical associations, as well as manufacturers on this topic of safety. In as much as safety is so uh, critically important to manned aviation, so. Good topic, good participation, and I'm encouraged with the uh, uh, with the ideas. So that's all. That's all I had on the Josh on the update from the deck. So what are you know just to kind of push you a little further on that day? What are some of the highlights from the safety culture um, uh, tasking group that you've been able to kind of you know influence and and get buy-in from some of the other stakeholders there? One of the things that we're we're talking about now is that um, we've we've been uh, we're, we all agree across all four of these subgroups that trust is critically important and trust is a two-way street and that there are a number of two-way um, relationships well, FAA and UAS operators FAA and general public and in order for the FAA to gain a better level of trust and participation from recreational as well as uh, part 107 small 
commercial operators, uh, but most importantly uh, for us in the recreational area, uh, we're putting forward the uh, recommendation that uh, the FAA uh, works harder and get some results in including some recreational representation both on the on the DAC uh, drone advisory committee of the FAA as well as uh, structures and organizations like the uh, FAA uh, symposium that they run jointly with AUVSI. If anyone has, Alex here has attended that and uh, of note is there is very little uh, recreational content in the agendas. In the past, it's been near zero. Uh, and another organization that we would ask to have better um, representation on is the UAST, uh, the UAS Safety Team. It's an organization of 80 uh, companies and institutions. Uh, there are one or two organizations uh, representing recreational out of that uh, 78 to 80 organizations. So that I'm uh, I'm encouraged uh, with that. Um, we've also, um, to me, one of the most important um, uh, changes that we've been able to gain agreement on across the board is one size does not fit all and that the regulations should have proportionality to the risks of the mission. And so with UAS in the United States, small electric UAS still having zero fatalities, the level of risk is a lot less than a manned aircraft. So consequently, the regulations should be uh, proportionate uh, to the risk. And so we've, we've gained everyone's agreement on that, and everyone is uh, broad representation across the, uh, the DAC, and this includes uh, many DAC members across these four uh, subgroups in the safety culture tasking group. So that to me is a um, red letter in a positive positive way, and uh, we'll we'll see what we uh, come out with in, in detail. Does that provide enough uh, insight, Josh? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate that. Um, all right, so. Uh, anybody else have anything they want to talk about, bring up? Alex, you got anything going on? Um, Sorry to put you on the spot. Hi, you're talking. <laughs> so, uh, I going along with what Dave said, all that stuff, and then I think another thing was maybe like uh, that I think people agreed on mainly in some of those conversations was also trying to see if the FA would change the way that they sort of incur or talk to pilots instead of maybe like in a more positive tone instead of like always saying don't do this maybe get the FA to say can do for people I would agree with that I would say a lot of the the posts that come out um on the FAA drone site, uh, drone zone Facebook account. If you're not subscribed to it um, or attached to it, um, you you definitely should be. Um, sometimes they they post uh, some good informational stuff, like when there's a, a a flight restriction or a TFR, a temporary flight restriction due to you know it could be presidential action, it could be wildfires, it could be any number of things. Um, but uh, definitely important to have that information, uh, especially if you're in an area where stuff like that crops up a lot. Uh, but on the flip side, a lot of the posts that do come out of uh, 
of the FAA drone zone and and from their drone team seems very uh, negative, kind of oppressive. Negative. Yeah, yeah, negative. Right. Don't, very, don't very do, much. So. Don't do the following. And so the two examples we cited was we thought a very appropriate one, and you mentioned it was the don't fly around wildfires. Makes yeah. complete sense. We agree. We support it. Then you know they should continue communications in exactly that tone. In contrast, uh, prior to the 4th of July, uh, their recommendation was leave your drone at home. Don't fly. And so we thought there were just a myriad of ways they could have spun that in a more positive way and said, you know, take your take your drone out, fly, enjoy, and fly in these locations. It yeah. could have been positive. It could have been upbeat. And that's what we're uh, recommending. So it's a, yeah, a I mean, it's just the way that, that that post came 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 across was just like, you know, if you're going to the park for Fourth of July, leave the drone at home. Well, no, right. take your drone, <laughs> just fly safely, yeah. please. You know, it's just it's goofy. So yeah, I definitely like that recommendation. That's that's uh, that's good stuff. Um, so in case anybody didn't know. Um, and I kind of want to put this out there is that if you want to participate in the drone advisory uh, tasking groups, uh, they're pretty much open to everybody. Now, I would say that uh, you need to contact the people in charge of those particular groups uh, to get involved, to see what you can do to, to, you know, what kind of expertise that you can lend to those discussions. Um, but definitely have something to bring, reach out, be professional. Um, and and it's it's a fair it's a fair amount of time. There's no compensation. You're volunteering your time, yep. and I'm burning uh, easy twenty hours a week uh, doing this. I'm leading a subgroup and participating in another, so it, it does uh, burn up a fair amount of time. But it's researching, writing, writing a narrative, writing presentations, as well as uh, speaking. Um, and so it's you know, like Lee Iacocca would say, lead follower, get out of the way. It's uh, we're either leading a group, participating in a group or uh, helping. And so uh, it's that type of activity. And it's uh, um, we it, it is obvious to me that when uh, I have volunteered in areas that I did not know a lot about, but had to go research, um, it, that was um, very well accepted. And so they, uh, the the other members of the DAC see that uh, we as uh, FPVFC uh, jump in to areas that uh, are not uh, necessarily recreational, and they appreciate our uh, our attitude and uh, what we're able to bring to the table. Absolutely, and and gaining knowledge is never a bad thing. You know, even if you don't know something about it, you know, go out, do the research, learn about it, and then you can speak intelligently about it. Right. So. All right, so I'm going to, if anybody has anything else, Bruce, do you have anything for us this evening? Can you hear this? I can. Yes, yes oh, we can. Sweet. Mike is working. Yes. For those who don't know, the FAA stole my video. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? It's not so much that they used my video. It's like um, they, fair use is a reasonable thing, but a lot of people use my videos and usually they come to me and say, Mr. Simpson, can we use your video? And I say, yeah, sure. Thanks for asking. And usually I say, just include a link or leave the watermark intact. And that, that's all I ask. But instead the FAA, who obviously went taught manners as children, 
just bowl in, take it without asking, and then strip out the attributions and use it as their own. So it speaks to a culture of arrogance and entitlement within the FAA. If we're talking cultures, theirs is not a good one. And uh, I'm just doing a video now on, on the whole situation. One thing that uh, I learned many years ago after making many mistakes is that there are three ways to fix your mistakes the first, or three steps. The first step is admit you made a mistake. I stuffed up. I goofed up. The second step is to apologize to anyone that's been disadvantaged. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. I apologize for that. And then the third step is to try and come up with a remedy to fix the problem. Like, oh, how can we put this right? But the mm -hmm. FAA's response to being caught with their trousers around their ankles is, quick, hide the evidence. And they made the video private. Uh, I've had no communication from them whatsoever. And it's like, they're just hoping that it'll all go away now, but it's not going to, because I'm just doing a follow-up video, which I I tell them off for being, um, what would you call it, uh, disingenuous, for being arrogant, for, for taking my stuff, because stealing is really taking someone's property without permission and without compensation. So whether it falls under fair use or not, is irrelevant, it is still stealing. And they, you might say it's only eight seconds of your video. You try putting up five seconds of a pop song on YouTube and see whether you'll get away with right. it. There's no such thing as fair use on YouTube. <laughs> so, um, but it annoys me, it frustrates me. They didn't just come to me and say, look, can we use your clip? And I said, yeah, great. And the reason I haven't struck it down because people have said, you should put a copyright strike out is no, I mean, we're reading from the same hymn book. I want the skies to be safe. This is a safety video that they created. And I think we, you know, it's a good thing. I'd like them to put it back up. I just like them to include the attribution and all this would go away. But I think they're so arrogant that they're going to say, there's no way we're going to credit this guy with the clip in the video. We'd rather have it down forever. So whatever money they wasted making that video is completely lost because it'll never see the light of day again because they're just too arrogant to say, oh, good practice dictates that we provide attributions for any third-party content we use, especially without permission. It's, it's concerning because this is the same organization that has the future of the hobby in its hands. And if that's the way they're going to play the game, don't you know who we are? We're the FAA. We don't need permission to do a damn thing and you should be groveling at our feet. It doesn't bode well for the future of the hobby. They treat us with contempt. They treat everything with contempt like this. And it worries me greatly. So what I'm going to do uh, to give you a heads up, I'm doing another video in which I point out it would be really nice if they followed the three stages of resolving a mistake. But even if they don't, I want to progress it forward, I want to turn a negative into a positive. I would really love to work with the FAA to improve safety of unmanned vehicle operations in the US airspace. I'm an influencer, as they've seen. If you piss off the people who watch my channel, um, they don't take it very well. I, and if you want to recover the loss of respect and credibility you've just had, work with me to make sure that the people who fly model aircraft and drones in the national airspace are getting a fair deal, that their views are represented properly, and the rule set is a good match for the responsibilities and freedoms they expect from the airspace. So I'm going to lay a sort of a, an olive branch at their door and say, come work with me. I want to do a live stream. Let's talk to someone. I want to talk to someone in the FAA. Put your point of view. Tell us all why we should respect you. And tell us about this risk assessment you've created for producing good regulation. What do you think will happen? Mm. <laughs> well, aside from that risk assessment, uh, we know the answer on that one. We don't think it exists. Um, but um, Bruce, I think that's uh, excellent. Uh, I appreciate the uh, that you reaching out to the FAA uh, to try to turn this into a uh, into a positive, and uh, I also agree with you. Uh, you know, when you make a mistake, those are absolutely the right three steps. That's uh, you know classic uh, crisis management, and uh, it works. And uh, it's very unfortunate that that's not the uh, approach that the FAA has taken. 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, if they used it, put it back up, just say, hey, we got this from, from XChat, you know, check out his channel here, you know, move on. It's very right. simple. So, all right, so I want to circle back. We're, we're towards the end of our meeting here. Um, I want to get your thoughts on creating a shirt for Mr. Benson, um, what we should put on said shirt, and please note that all proceeds from those shirts will be going directly to him. In fact, what we'll probably do is do an upfront donation uh, even before we would uh, uh, do the shirts. And uh, that way, you know, the money's in his hands and then, you know, anything extra we could just uh, send out to him as well. Any thoughts on that? Good idea, bad idea? But I think one way or the other. Great idea. Okay, perfect. I like it. So, um, all right, we'll see if we can come up with a slogan. If anybody has an idea, any ideas, uh, feel free to drop them in the tr in the chat um, or DM me, and uh, we'll see what we can uh, get done on that front. Um, and then we'll put it up on our website and we'll announce it when it's ready. Um, in the meantime, uh, if nobody has any suggestions on it, we'll go ahead and create one. Um, two FAA guys who worked on the International Sora and Australian Risk Assessment may be more open-minded, but your mileage may vary. Okay. Good. It's, uh, thank, yeah. thank you, Earl, Earl Lawrence and Rick Domingo. Uh, Domingo. Yeah, that was straight from my notes. I I took for you guys from the UAS thing. I transferred over to Dave uh, from the symposium. Uh, these guys were doing a presentation on international SORA risk assessments, and also they went to Australia and did some risk assessment studies. Uh, FAA is a huge organization. They have many teams. So it, it, if you just reach out to the FAA, you're probably going to get the PR, you know, the PIO or something. But these folks may be a bit more open-minded. They've worked internationally and. The uh, Earl Lawrence guy was comes from Experimental Flights, and he's a pretty friendly guy based right. on people's okay. Q and A's with him. Okay, excellent. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Um, let's see. Some sure. Oh, in the general channel. I was not actually in the right channel, and I apologize about that, guys. Hey, I am horrible. Wow. All right. We well, all make mistakes uh, from time to time. It's not in the right channel. So if you've been typing to me and I've been ignoring you, I am so sorry. Uh, I will never do that again. So sorry. All right. Um, so on that note, I am going to uh, go cry in the corner because I ignored all you people. And uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to give you back the rest of your evening. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, huge crowd tonight. Um, yeah, I was posting in the completely wrong channel. I, I, I apologize. Um, so I will give you back the rest of your night. Thank you for joining. Again, if you have any suggestions, ideas, uh, thoughts, or anything else, feel free to let us know. And uh, we will see you all in two weeks. Have a great Thank night. You all. Take care.